Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi there and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sport show. England legend Stuart Pearce joined myself and Simon as we dissected Pierre-Luigi Colina's idea to have a mercy rule in football and ponder how much longer Conte has at Tottenham. We started with a look back at last night's European action. Stuart, West Ham, uh, you, you were back in time from Barbados. You saw the game last night. 2-0, comfortable lead uh, mm. to take into the second leg at the London Stadium against uh, Lanaka. It's kind of what I expected, I must admit. I know things haven't been going too well for them of late. I was at Brighton last weekend yeah. and I saw it not go too well for them of late. But uh, that's a decent win. It Listen, any win on the road, certainly in Europe, is a very good win. I thought they could have won it by more. I thought they were very, very comfortable within the game and, and probably could have gone after Larnica a, a little bit more aggressively, certainly early on, uh, to win, win the game uh, even more comfortably. But a 2-0 lead, you expect them to do the business next Thursday again and then go into the next round of the competition. Yeah, so, I mean, sure, it begs the question. If they survive in the Premier League and win their first cup since 1980, does the season go from mediocre to incredible? I think the word incredible is stretching it slightly, but I think it goes from mediocre because they've been disappointed, make no mistake, by, by West Ham's last two seasons... Uh, uh, performances. You admit they've been mediocre. It, yeah, it's, it's been very mediocre this year. They'll be disappointed with that. Dave will be disappointed um, with certainly where they are in the league at, at present. Um, but to, to get their hands on silverware, if they do that at the end of the season, at training last year um, at the London Stadium, I said to Dave, look at the achievements of this football club over well over 100 years. I think three trophies they've mm. got to their name. So to put another trophy up in that stadium in Dave's tenure, I think will be a great achievement. I think it would be. Uh, even if the trophy, uh, Simon, in your eyes, is the incidental cup. I mean, you're quite you, you, you're quite derogatory about the Europa Conference League in that, is it worth winning? Well, I mean, the characterisation that I put was that if it's at the expense of staying in the Premier League, then it can't be considered anything other than incidental. I know that there's a lot of West Ham fans that have corrected me and said, well, hang on a second, we'll take a trophy. That's fine if that's your view, that's your football club. I'm sure that you, you're entitled to it. My view is, which would you rather have? Winning this European tournament and dropping into the Championship and find yourself in a world of problems down there, or 
perhaps having had a decent season than maybe having a respectable campaign in Europe. Or Look, both. Or or both. both. If you can have both, yes, if you can have both, fantastic. Stay in the Premier League and my, win it. My characterisation was, at the time, in the conversation that you and I are having, was if one goes at the expense of the other, yeah. then, in my view... The, the Premier League status has to be the bigger prize. But look, I understand the West Ham fans. They don't win many things. We have to live, listen to the fact that there's a West Ham way and the West Ham way isn't winning anything. So if they get to win something, then Stuart's point is, is, is relevant. And also, given it's a gateway into the Europa League, we can't argue about these consistent evolution of tournaments from the, from the domestic scene to the international scene. People criticise the European nations, say it's a rubbishy old load of crap that's not worth any time. And here we are creating domestic tournaments, one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. So you do have to suggest that at the end of the day, this is the bottom of the pile for European tournaments. So I do think it's moderately incidental, but it's not incidental insofar as it gives you a gateway into, Euro into the Europa League, which has more relevance. But it is incidental if it comes at the cost of Premier League status. Yeah. In my view. It, it would be something else if they win it and stay in the Premier League anywhere. Winning Lanaka was all that David Moyes really wanted. Been in it, something special, you know. Everybody wants to be in Europe. We we did as well. You know, I remember when the, when we got there a couple of years ago, how thrilled we, I was and the players were and the supporters were. Everybody was thrilled. And by the way, it was great. We had a, we had a really good crowd here tonight. This trip's been Cyprus. We've seen a lot of different places over the last day whether it be Croatia or Belgium or wherever we've been for games, France. So it's something which uh, well, I'm pleased that we're able to give West Ham supporters European football. And tonight was another another decent win. There are some fans, though, and I sat with some of them in the train going down to Brighton last mm. weekend, Stuart, who say, yeah, that all that stuff about Europe last season, that's been papering over cracks. Um, I think some of the best nights potentially last year were were in Europe. Some of the most exciting ones in the London Stadium, especially uh, going on the road and winning in Lyon, I think it was as well, was was really good for the club. Um, I think you've got to create memories for the fans, and I think Dave's done that certainly last year, and they've got a hundred percent record in Europe as well this year, so it's not too bad. But there's no doubt that since probably Christmas last year, the results in the Premier League have not been as good as expected and certainly yeah. this year as well that that's carried on yeah uh, Simon 2-2 two -two for Arsenal mm. uh, in Portugal against Sporting Lisbon I saw some of that I went to the movies last night so did you incidentally didn't you yeah do yourself a favour audience do not go and see Creed 3 really absolutely not good Dreadful. okay alright I saw a very uh, oh very touching movie called Close um, uh, anybody who wants to go and see that take take uh, paper hanky with you um, so 2-2 two -two against Sporting Lisbon is it wise Simon for Arteta to continue fighting this season on both fronts with the Europa League as well because so much is riding on them leading the way in the Premier League and seeing it out I think momentum is a key part of a team's winning formula and winning games and playing in games. Obviously, you've got the compromise where you can find yourself in a game situation where players get injured on a European uh, event, but they are in the tournament. So what would you prefer, them to be competitive in it, to keep going, to keep building the underlying culture of knowing what winning looks like in every time they step on the pitch? I would be an advocate of them winning you know, on both fronts. I think they've got the capability. And of course, the argument will be advanced, you know, that if players get injured in these European nights and it compromises the Premier League, which one would you rather have? But I ultimately think that good footballers playing in good teams accept the reality of playing in both tournaments. And I think, you know, his reaction to the performance last night and the fact that he felt that they were, you know, scraping out a result and giving goals away tells you where their mentality is. Yeah. They expect to win every game. Presumably, if you're, if you're a top player, Stuart, and you were, you want to win everything. Whatever you're playing in, you want to win it. Well... 
I always used to start the season with the proviso of, I want to play every game. And you were absolutely gutted if you were either suspended and missed a game or you copped an injury and you were out the team for Did any, you change that outlook when you managed? No, no, I didn't. In the you moment, want your players to play every game, fight for every game? Of course you do. I, I find it absolutely ridiculous that you're involved at the latter stages after Christmas, if you're Arsenal, in a major tournament... The, the club have got their tails up for the first time in, in however many years, Arsenal. All their players should be brimming to play all the games. They're top of the tree in the Premier League. They're doing well in Europe. Play all the games because, I tell you what, next year they could be fifth, sixth in the division. You you don't know that. Mm. You've no idea. And by the same token, you've got Manchester City competing in the Champions League with a bur- sort of burying down pressure on them to win it. So if Arsenal don't win the Europa League, people are going to go, and therefore, but, OK, maybe mm. you should have done because you're a good side, but who cares? But the moment Man City don't win Champions Leagues, the pressure that comes yes. to bear yeah. on them becomes significant. Yes. So I don't think it's irrelevant for Arsenal. I think Arsenal just plough on, win games, get Jesus back in the side when he's fit enough, and away you go. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Stuart, you enjoyed Qatar, right? Yes, I did, yeah. A Winter World Cup. Yep. Nothing wrong in it. I said after my experience there and going back with a thought process as a player, if I was an international, I think that if it was possible to have a Winter World Cup maybe once every three or four World Cups, I thought it was a really good experience. Well, strangely, it comes at a time as uh, the International Players Union, FIFPRO, are saying an overwhelming majority of players who took part in the World Cup in Qatar now oppose playing another winter tournament. Um, They got responses from 64 of 800 players who went to Qatar. 89% apparently opposed to another Winter World Cup and 44% reported increased physical fatigue. Mm. But let's look at that statistic. First of all, FIFPRO and utter relevance. Let's let's look at the statistic. 64 people out of 831, so 5% of the polled survey, bothered to, to return. When you go to a restaurant and you don't like food, 10 people complain. When you do like food, one person praises. So all the people that have responded are the people that have a problem with it. All the people that have, probably haven't had a problem haven't bothered responding to it. So I don't think it's indicative of anything. Well, I mean, the FIFA chief, for what it's worth, uh, Bayer Hoffman, says that we saw what happened with Manchester United's Rafael Varane. He chose to retire now from international football. He says, unless, and this is a bit about the Martin Keown uh, handbook, unless steps are taken to reduce the demands put on top international players, there'll be more instances of Rafael Varane's retiring earlier than they might have done. I think that's more indicative of of players not, revering playing for their country more than anything. I mean, I, nothing would, would stop me turning up and playing for my country. <laughs> the, the even I went to one World Cup, Jim, right, in 1990, and our last game at that World Cup was the 4th of July, OK? And we're back in pre-season training seven days later. And I said to my then manager, Brian Clough, at the time, do you mind if I have a couple of weeks off? And he said, no, you're coming to Sweden with me. He said, I'll give you the two weeks off before the season starts if you want it. I said, well, I can't do that. I won't be fit to start the season. He said, well, take it or leave it. So I left it. That following season was the best season I ever had in in football. You know, I can't replicate that. I scored 16 goals, no penalties as a left back. And it was the best season. We got to the FA Cup final that year with Forrest and whatever. And now 
I didn't believe the hype that everyone was saying, oh, the players would be tired. A lot of the other squad did, because I don't think too many of the England squad at the time actually played particularly well the following season. But for me, it was a state of mind more than it actually right, was a physical right, problem. Right. I mean, should we pay any attention to FIFRO then? No. As to, as to what they're saying here? At the best of times, no. And in this instance, absolutely not. So, so Shearer retired from international football at 29, did he? And that was to do with the Winter World Cup, was it? No, it's because he paid. He, he had had his fill of international football and decided his domestic career might be more important to him. It's nonsense. First Is of it all, nonsense? Well, first of all, what do we need a FIFA Pro Union for anyway? I mean, what are they there for? What exactly do they achieve? Is this a terrible marketplace that the footballers live in that they need a union to represent them? Absolute nonsense. And the reality is creating work. I mean, I'm not... I'm not in the camp of suggesting that a Winter World Cup is the right solution because I think that the, the tournament was housed and harnessed in the summer and that's its legacy and it was changed for for reasons that we're now a bit more aware of um, to the winter initially it was changed because people's perception of it was that was a bait and switch it's now been changed because the technology that they developed over in Qatar was usable but FIFA didn't want it to be the first trial position so they can go back to playing in the summer in these tournaments if the air conditioning environment is probably like they said they were going to but I don't think this I think it's nonsense I just think it's people create if you keep on telling people they'll they'll be tired They'll be tired. But no, because- but Simon, he's making sense and saying the leagues need to speak to one another, the leagues from different countries, because the schedules have got to change to provide more appropriate training and recovery time. Recovery time, I get it. But he's citing that. If, if indeed... He's talking about a two-and-a-half-month break from and, competition. And good for him, right? But international football, the, the way that the football world turns now is based upon domestic football. International football is an important part of it. But he's basing it upon taking 64 people from a survey of 831, that means 94% of people could not be bothered to respond to their own union, right? That's how engaged they were. And the people that tend to respond are, are the people that have an issue with it. So you've not got a fair analysis. You haven't got a poll based upon an absolute look at what the reality is. That would tell me that 94% of people don't have a problem. Are you surprised any players came out at all, Stuart, and said, I'm not up for a Winter World Cup? Small as it is, the percentage, as Simon rightly said. Um, no, it, it, it don't surprise People have their own opinion of what they've seen. I've spent the last 45 years in football batting away statements like, the World Cup at the end of the season, our players are tired, we can't perform. That nonsense and that rhetoric that... that yeah. has been spun for so long. So to actually have a World Cup before Christmas, which is early season, Premier League, English-wise, w- was a breath of fresh air for me. And uh, listen, I find it incredible, I really do. And I think if it, w- it was trialled, I went in open-minded what it would be like. And the mentality that I've come away with, I think it was a plus. I think European and Northern European want from a selfish point of view, from a club's point of view, they don't want their players going away mid-season. They just don't. You know what I mean? They'd rather that not happen at all. And in fact, most clubs would rather their players not go away at all on international duty. But they're prepared to go to the to Australia pre-season. They're prepared to go to the, the Far East. They're prepared to go to USA on long-haul flights yeah, for, the, yeah, yeah. for the money. Yeah, sure. If that's left you scratching your head, though, Simon, this certainly will. Uh, FIFA's referees chief Per Luigi Colina, remember him? Yes. He has come out and he's criticised Andy Madley for not adding enough time on at the end of Liverpool's 7-0 win over Manchester United. Um, 
incredible. He's, he's suggested in the future the laws of the game could see a mercy rule to reduce our scrap stoppage time when the scoreline enters humiliating territory, as he's defined it. But it, he, he had a pop at the Premier League, first of all, and, and threw in some of the examples of his own last weekend. Last weekend, 10 matches played in Premier League, four of them had 10, respectively, 10, 2, 12, and 1, 14 minutes of additional time given. So four out of 10 exceeded already the 100 you mentioned. And two of them should have been higher than this, but only because they were 7 nil and 4 nil the referee probably decided not to consider the additional time to be given accurately. Additional time given on a 7 nil can be probably not well understood. We had this at the World Cup in a match Spain against Costa Rica, when the match, the result was 6 nil and eight minutes were given. But you know that in some competition, the goal difference in the entire competition is may be decisive at the end for the ranking. So even one goal scored or not scored could make, could make the difference. So, on the one hand there, Stuart, he says the Premier League got it wrong last weekend. But now have a listen to this regarding a rule that should be brought in uh, in such a moment as the Liverpool game last weekend against United when they're seven up and time is being added on. Apologies if I'm not wrong, but I know that uh, some time ago when I was playing baseball, there was a rule in baseball after the sixth inning if there was a difference in terms of score more than six points, the match was over. The remaining three innings were not played. So maybe in the future we may consider to say in the laws of the game that additional time has not to be given at the end of the match if there is a difference bigger than X goal between the two teams. But this would be in the laws of the game. In other words, scrap stoppage time. This so-called right. mercy rule being brought in when the scoreline enters humiliating territory. I've been a manager before and I've gone up to the fourth official when we're going into extra time and I've said to him, look, no need to play too much extra. Now, whether he's took that on board or not, this is me as a manager. You're two, you're three, you're four nil down, whatever it may be. Look, you know, knock it on the head, we've had enough. <laughs> I think it's a ridiculous statement by him and it doesn't actually work. We've just come from a conversation where we're talking about the players playing too much football. Now, all of a sudden, we want to make sure they're on the pitch for 100 minutes, 115, 120 minutes. It's ludicrous. And this is, for me, this has all come about because of the player power. Because the referees and the officials have got no power on the pitch anymore. Now, why is there so much extra time? This is the cause of it. Players going down injured when they're not injured. Okay, we said it was, we'll stop play through head injuries. Make no mistake, play gets stopped every time a player lies on the floor nowadays. I'm feeling it. Because the referees and the officials are scared stiff that they might get it wrong and get hung out to dry because they've got no backing whatsoever. And players feeling it. And players feigning it. You know that. You see it all the time. Substitutes. The referee comes over to the substitutes. Could you jog off for me? They walk one step of a potential jog 
and they belittle the referee by walking as slowly as they humanly can. Now, how do you change that? You don't change it by making players play 120, 150 minutes, whatever you want, extra time. You let the fourth official next to it say to the uh, physios of the relative clubs, the play goes on while a player's down. He has got the right to send the physio on and treat him while play goes on. That happens in rugby league, and I've seen absolutely no problem with it. And that will stop the players going down. It will solve a lot of the players going down injured. If they want to lie down injured, their team play with a man down. Their physio can treat them on. They'll get on a lot quicker and treat them. If there is a serious injury, they can get on instantly. Secondly, the substitutes. Make a substitution while the game goes on. Why not? If that player wants to walk off slowly, that's his prerogative then. You'll soon find that his manager will be saying, Oi, get your ass off this pitch. I want to send someone new on because you're having a stinker. Brilliant, brilliant. And all of a sudden, you don't have to talk about 120 minutes of of extra time or whatever. Yeah, that's music to your ears, isn't it, Sammy? Yeah, I think that's tough with the players, especially the ones who are feeling it. Well, yeah, I mean, somewhere along the line, Stuart is right, the, the entire purpose of referees stopping games was for head injuries. That was it. That was in the discussion. And now it's seeped into the culture of football from the fans to the players to the managers that unless you stop a game when someone goes down, everyone's absolutely outraged. It's an outrageous thing to do. It's bordering upon cheating and it needs to be balanced off by someone doing something particularly positive on the other side of it. It's not the case. And the players, are, you know, whether you can whether you can bring it into into play that the administration of a game bringing substitutes on during the game, and whether you can get a physio onto the pitch with the, with the fluidity of football to not interrupt the game if a physio is carting somebody off and the ball goes flying past his ear is practical. But I do agree with the sentiments. But if the consequence, uh, the alternate view is if the consequences if they have to stay on a pitch for 120 minutes, yeah, because they will not stop this nonsense. Certain players, then the flip side of that is that they are the architects of their own downfall. Now, to go to the baseball rule and people are in the bottom of the ninth and they don't need to complete the game because of the mercy rule and bring that into sport, I don't know what some of these people are doing with their time. Mm. These are educated minds. These mm. are leaders in sport have got very structured thinking. It's like Marco van Basten sitting on the IFAB board suggesting that we outlaw offside. Yeah. You, two, you people have too much free time and you're coming up with nonsense that's creating no particular solutions. You can't have a game that has goal differences involved in people winning and losing games and tournaments and, and, and getting relegated and winning Premier Leagues and winning championships and then suggest that people stop games in the middle of it because it's become humiliating. Yeah. Jim, it's ridiculous. We're also surrounded by, by the rule that is VAR, which is taking X amount of minutes out of the game as it is. Yeah. So yeah. my mentality of keep the game going, but... Carry it on. Let physios come on. Let substitutions be rolling once as they come off. Another one comes on. I can't see the problem. Because yeah. VAR is going to take X amount of minutes out of it anyway. I, I take it, sure. When you said to the fourth official these years ago, look, we're getting a doing here. Uh, you don't need to put too many more minutes on this game. You were pretty, pretty roundly ignored by the official, were you? I've no idea. I think maybe they didn't say to me, yes, I've knocked three minutes off for you. But <laughs> you know full well that... You know, if you know one team's had enough on the day, yeah. what, what's the point in going on? Both yeah. teams, the winning team are happy for it to be knocked on the head. Yeah. I don't think there should be an absolute law for it, though. No. Definite, 100% no. But yeah. You just, can't make it subjective. You can't no, suggest that someone can no. say, well, we've had enough now. You're right, though, Sam. Pierre-Luigi Colina. I mean, what's he doing with his time? Well, I mean, I, I guess they're trying to think their way things through. I mean, maybe things are popping into their head and coming out of their mouth at the same time without thinking about the process. <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's no logic to it. No. You, you cannot have a sport held together by all its different competitive values 
and goals being scored are part of it. That's why Stuart's argument saying we've had enough is not, doesn't count. No. It doesn't, you've, too bad. No. Then that's what you get for a playing mercy a competitive rule. football match. No, mercy rule. Mr. Cleaner, you know what you can do with that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. And is this a start of a charge towards the Champions League for Liverpool? Liverpool 7, Manchester United 0. Performance is super important, three points are even more important. The result is just the result. As Bournemouth come forward straight from the off, send the ball into the area, and they've scored within 10 seconds! Oh my goodness! Party time here for the Wolves fans. Wolves 1, Spurs 0, Adama Traore with a quite stunning finish. I think for me now the time has come for Conte to go. We need to have time and patience. Headed down and in! They do have a goal back! And it's Ryan Yates who has given Forrest a route back into this match. The business end of the season with all the games, all the names and all the big moments. It really is. And a couple of crackers uh, tomorrow. Two exclusives for you. Bournemouth against Liverpool. A TalkSport exclusive, 12.30 for that. And then at 3 o'clock, Tottenham against Nottingham Forest. Mr Jordan will be there. A a TalkSport 2 exclusive. Stuart Pearce in studio with myself and Simon. Stuart, when you look at it, after going out of the FA Cup, the Champions League, uh, and opening the top four door in just eight days, there's a raising of the stakes here, isn't there? Um, Regards Tottenham's game against Nottingham Forest, which is a home game. But by God, if Tottenham ever needed a win and Conte needs a win, it's now, isn't it? Well, I'm not sure the Conte ship has sailed, to be honest with you. Um, you know, whether he's seeing his time out till the summer. Um, so the relevance of that, I'm not so sure. Um, certainly they're a very low ebb at this moment in time. More importantly, when you look at Tottenham, even early season when they were winning matches, I don't think the performances were wowing, were they? And that's the frustration Tottenham fans have. Yeah, 
I mean, we heard Tottenham fans on with us this week, Simon. The, the switchboard was in meltdown uh, after they went them, out yeah. to Milan. Some of, Some of them really going for it. Yeah. But Conte cracks on. We thought he would. He does. There has been there have been shouts in certain quarters for Tuchel. Can you see that happy? I, especially after the conversation you and I had with Todd Bully out in the U out in uh, Qatar. Well, uh, about Thomas Tuchel. Well, you're seeing certain stories breaking about Thomas Tuchel now about his private life, aren't you? Um, in certain newspapers. So, that, you know, that might give some people some understanding of potentially what the challenges were. Thomas Tuchel was a top-draw manager, no doubt about it. He can't doesn't go from someone that we all lauded and applauded to somebody that isn't a very good football manager, but he comes with a very variety amount of challenges. But they all come with challenges. You're paying these guys significant amounts of money. They're independently wealthy. They don't have to put up with anything they don't think they have to put up with anymore. If you're getting paid 10, 12, 15 million pounds a year, you just deal with the reality of what you think is right. And if you don't like something, you behave in a certain way. Look, Conti for me... In the interview, I'm, I was a major, as you know, we've said this on numerous occasions, I was a major advocate for him coming to Tottenham. Major advocate for getting a mentality inside that football club that would change the culture. But 16 months down the road, I can't constantly say that after certain periods of time people need to revolve something or they shouldn't be in a job and not apply the same standard to someone that I advocated for. His press conference after the Milan game was just absurd. It's absurd to talk about building. Your team got knocked out last week in an FA Cup which could have taken you to a quarter-final against Blackburn. You got knocked out by Sheffield United. What do you need to build on that for? Where's that come from? You've got a group of players that should have been able to cope with that game. You go into side against Milan. You don't score a goal in two games against Milan. Yeah. Against a very average Milan side. They're the champions of Italy. I understand that. But notwithstanding that, they're not in the richest vein of form. They're not the greatest Milan version we've ever seen before. And Tottenham didn't lay a glove, in them, a glove on them over two games. So with all that in mind, you look at it and say, what is the purpose of a Conte now? What is the purpose? We don't know what his mindset is. We know that there's adversity in his life. We know he's had challenges in his personal life. We know he's had illnesses. But notwithstanding that, people have to overcome. And if they want to overcome it, they put forward a far better disposition and demeanour yeah. than, than Antonio Conte does. The thing is, if you're Daniel Levy, to be honest, Stuart, what other route is available for you to go down? He's gone down the route of up-and-coming coaches in Pochettino and Village Boris. Mm -hmm. He's gone down the experience route with Redknapp and Wandy Ramos. He's gone down the serial trophy winner's route in Mourinho and Conte. There's nothing left for him to do. So it'd be pointless saying to Conte, oh, do you know what? You've overdone it this time. We're, 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 we're going we're to mark time on you now. Uh, you're on your way and we're going to change it. It would be pointless. I, I think the fans and the fans' mentality towards Conte will play a big part in that and that will seep through to Levy, even though he's a strong man in charge. Um, what When you name the managers that have certainly been through the door at yeah. Tottenham, you can't knock the chairman for not bringing top quality through the door. That's true. You know, so... That's true. The names we've just mentioned... Daniel Simon. Levy will not care in the slightest. Daniel Levy will do what Daniel Levy believes is right. And there'll be a view on whether that's right or not, right? But he will not, in my view, and, and I've known him for 20 years in various ways, he will not acquiesce to anything that he doesn't think is right for Tottenham Hotspur and people will say well Daniel's view of what's right for Tottenham Hotspur is very different from ours okay and that's fine too but everything's about timing we can bring these stellar names out but what Mourinho did they get did they get the Mourinho of 2004 no. or did they get the Mourinho of 2019 because they're very different animals right so when we bring out these names it's about timing what content did they get did they get the Conte that came over in 2016 with Chelsea that lucked out on finding a formation that Chelsea were, were getting battered by everybody until he suddenly went to a three? Yeah, but Simon, I get what you're saying, but it doesn't work out for them while they're at Tottenham. Mourinho left, but it, yes. But, and what Mourinho did they get? They got a Mourinho who left them, went to Roma and won a European trophy. But, but what they did get was Pochettino 
And Pochettino was put in a situation where he got to a Champions League final, which they lost and didn't turn up in. They got to cup semi-finals and they didn't turn up in a cup semi-final. They got into a Premier League that they couldn't should have won. And with due respect to Leicester's phenomenal achievement, Leicester won it. And all of those things are about individual moments in time from the manager, from the manager, from the decision-making process that a manager and a group of players make. So whilst I looks like I'm defending Daniel, I do think Tottenham could and should do more. I do think sometimes, from a limited point of view, that ultimately Daniel saves a pound to lose a fiver because I think there's something to be had with building a team that wins something that makes you more marketable and you'll get it back on the on the on the other side of the com- of the conversation when you win things. But the flip side of it is is there's only a certain amount of sides that can win things. Look at what these sides are that are winning things. Tottenham don't have this ownership model. They don't have a Middle Eastern ownership model like Man City do. They don't have the great wealth that Manchester United have from natural organ- natural uh, generation. And Liverpool are the exception that have done it on economics, but they've been able to sell players left, right and centre. For, for They sold Coutinho for 150 million quid. Yeah. Or 150 million euros, which fueled the purchase of Virgil van Dijk and fueled the purchase of the goalkeeper. When Tottenham sold 89 million pounds worth of players, they gave it to Villa- Andreas Villas-Boas, who was scarred by his um, uh, experiences at Chelsea. So it's about timing. I'm not giving him a pass. But if you get if you got Mourinho in his pomp at Tottenham, there might have been a different dynamic. But then he wouldn't have gone to Tottenham because he wasn't going to be given at Tottenham what he's been given it's, at Chelsea. It's all lifts and butts, Stuart. There's a message. You guys forgetting that they sat Mourinho days before a cup final. And they did. It was a League mm. Cup final that following weekend. He might have delivered them a trouble. Well, he might have done. We'll never know. But I don't think there's a route left for, for Levy to go down. Hence, he's holding on to Conte. Yeah, I think only his personal relationship with him will dictate whether he wants to go beyond this summer with that manager. Yeah. You know, and that will dictate that. There'll yeah. always be another route. Don't be silly. There'll always be another manager. There'll always be another choice. Tottenham Hotspur aren't going to stop, drop down dead when Yeah, Antonio but it's what Conte it leads is. them to, though, Simon. Yeah. And it's what, what it leads them what, to. And what we've got now is this constant... When does it ever become... And I know that people keep on making this observation that if you say anything that vaguely doesn't become critical of Daniel Levy, you've got your head up the backside. But when does it become about the manager and the players? Are you seriously telling me that the situation surrounding the knockout of the Champions they'd have got knocked out of the next round anyway and the fans would have still been at they'd have got to semi-finals of the Champions League they'd have still been at Daniel Levy so when you look at this group of players and say you've lost against Sheffield United you've lost against Wolves you've lost against AC Milan in a Champions League didn't lay a glove on them over two legs that is the chairman's fault is it what about Conti and what about those players because it's those are the guys with the big mouths those are the guys with the big salaries those are the guys that are expected to do the job where are they in all this mm. no I'll tell you what it's Daniel Levy and, you know, I'm, the, I'm not defending Daniel besides putting balance in the conversation because it's absolutely absurd. You get knocked out of, a, of an FA Cup fifth round by Sheffield United, a tournament you could win and shut down this crap. And they'll say, Daniel Levy walked into Antonio Conte's office and said, I'm not interested in the FA Cup. I only want to be in the fog spot in the, champion, in, the, in, the, in the Premier League. Whatever you do, there'll be some bleeding clever answer as to the reasons why. If you can win the FA Cup, Tottenham would, Daniel Levy would like it to be won. You wouldn't like it to be won and sacrifice the Champions League. But why do you have to sacrifice the Champions League by winning the FA Cup? Why? Mm. You've got mm. a big enough squad. You played Sheffield United, for Christ's sake. So what you're saying is, right, Conte, let's see what you mean. The 15 million reasons for us to be wanting something from you. It's about time you how show about it. Be, how about be what you're supposed to be? Yeah, yeah. You're there. 
that yeah. huge defence of Daniel Levy was for the, the sole reason that you're going there tomorrow and uh, you, you're looking for a bit of protection before you go there. Uh, well, I'm hardly going to get it if I keep defending or uh, seeming to put balance in the conversation for Daniel Levy because it would appear that the popular opinion is Daniel Levy is the devil incarnate. And it's your forest. Who come calling? Well, I've left him a couple of tickets in the forest end, Simon. So, you know, <laughs> I'm going be with creed, a forest fan. That's the only reason I'm going. I'll be treated with sympathy and uh, apathy, I'm sure. They, they've struggled in the road, haven't they? Forest. Yes, big time. So, yeah. one, one win, three draws, Stuart. So, at the end of the day, they'll have to go something if, they, if they're going to get anything out of this. Yeah. But we're talking them in the shape they're in. This might be the time to play them. Well, they always say that. I, I personally can't see beyond a Spurs victory, but with the week they've had and the pressure that's on the club, might be a good time to go there. For sure. Conte lives on. We'll see what happens in that one. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back on Monday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.